All right, let's go ahead and have a seat. If you want to open up to Luke chapter 11, we're going to read the first few verses. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. This is the Gospel of Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. Even as I was reading that, you were probably thinking, oh, there's something missing. Like Luke kind of condenses that down, which is interesting because usually Luke is really wordy and adds things to the story as he explains details, but this is his version of the Lord's Prayer. And I bring it to us today because we're starting a new series on prayer to kick off 2024, uh, to to spend some time in prayer um, for the next five weeks, but also for this whole year, that this would be a year that we just dive deep uh, in prayer. And um, for for me, prayer is something that I've, I grew up in the church, I grew up as a follower of Jesus, and grew up praying, and it's still something that is so mysterious to me. Like, prayer is something that I, I don't know how it works, but I know prayer works. And, and I want us to, to spend time intentionally as we kick this year off just looking at prayer. Anytime I talk about prayer, there's a, a, an old story that, that haunts me that I, I, I tell this, I've told it a number of times, um, but, it, but it's something that Albert Einstein said. So everyone probably knows who Albert Einstein is. He's like the most famous scientist in the world, and later in his life, uh, he was living in Princeton, New Jersey, and he was working at the Institute for Advanced Studies, and one day a doctoral student came up to him and had a question, and his question was, uh, what is there left in the world for original dissertation research? Like, apparently in the 1950s, this guy thought everything had been researched and there was nothing left, right? But he said, what is there left to pursue? What is there left for original dissertation research? And Einstein replied with this, find out about prayer. Somebody must find out about prayer. Prayer. This is is from one of the, the most famous scientists in the world. Someone find out about prayer. Prayer is something that is mysterious. It's something that also can feel like the easiest thing to do. Um, Prayer is, uh, it's, it's a place. Prayer is communion with God. Prayer is, there's so much that comes with it. And, and much like Einstein, the, the man who figured out incredible things in this life, there's this profound mystery to it. What is it? How does it work? Why does it sometimes not work? We'll, we'll talk about that in this series. Um, what is it all about? Why is it so important? Well, it's important because Jesus tells us to pray. He tells us to pray a lot. And then also it's important because Jesus prays, and Jesus prays a lot. There's a verse in Scripture that tells us to pray without ceasing, literally to to never cease in prayer, to constantly be in prayer. 
But for most of us, prayer is uh, something that we have either compartmentalized or we've, we, we might use it only in times where we're desperate and in need. It's not really just something that, that, uh, uh, that, that we, we do all day long. Um, it, it could feel like a ritual or a religious practice. So there's all sorts of reasons we don't pray. Um, here, here's the top four reasons I don't, I don't pray, and I find... So, so one, of, one of the things is sometimes, even as a pastor, it's like, I don't, I don't know how. Like, I'm not like a prayer warrior. Like, I'm, I'm a pastor, but like, I've never, like, I go to prayer meetings, and even as a pastor, I'm like, oh, I hope I don't have to pray out loud. Like, I, I, like it's awkward, and I, I don't, if I say the wrong thing, and, you know, I don't, I don't speak good English, really, and, you know, when you're on the spot and you're praying, like, I, I just don't know how to do it. Or maybe, you know, it's like, I, I must have missed something in seminary, but, like, sometimes I just pray, and it's like, did I, did I miss something? Did I, like, not turn something on when I pray? It's just silent, and I... So it, it could be, a, like, is it a technique that I'm supposed to do? Is it a, a certain cadence that I'm supposed to have? And, and so I, it, even for, for someone like me, it's like, I, I don't know if I'm doing this right. The second thing is, I, I, I often will be like, I'm not sure if it really matters. Like, does prayer truly matter? Like, I'm, like, I'm so small, I'm so insignificant. Does God really care? I remember, um, I, you know, I went to a Christian school growing up, and we had a home ec class in middle school. And our home ec teacher, as we were in home ec class, like, uh, she would pray about everything. And I, w- I would be like, this is like, man. She, like, I remember one time we were sewing, and I dropped a needle, and it fell on the floor, and we couldn't find it. And she stopped the whole class to pray. And I was like, is this really necessary? Like, do we need to do, we need to do this? And, and sometimes it's like, man, I just, I don't know, like, how, if, how important it is. How, I, like, does God really care about all of my small problems and and then, and then also, like, I, I've had times in my life where I have prayed and prayed and prayed, and I didn't get the answer I wanted. And so then there, it's like, oh, to go back to this place where I'm, I'm asking God for something, does it really matter? Like, is it really, am, am I just so insignificant? that? The third thing is, uh, and this is especially when I was younger, is that I just think it's, it's boring. It's, it's hard to just sit and to stop and to be quiet and to be still. As I get older, I, I, I realize I'm longing for that silence and stillness. But throughout my life, it's been hard to just sit down because we're so easily distracted, especially in today's culture where everything's digital, especially where we have notifications, especially in a time where we're so busy to just slow down and to stop, to set aside time to pray. And that's the fourth thing is I'm, I'm just too busy. I'm too busy to pray. I, I, we've got stuff to do. We've got meetings to get to. We have an agenda. It's so hard to just stop because of our busyness. Well, here's my challenge for, for 2024. Maybe you, you've experienced that too, those things that make it just difficult to pray. Um, there's, there's two things I want to challenge us to, and they both come from Luke chapter 11, um, and really from that first verse. Uh, for 2024, here's two challenges for prayer for us. The first is to set aside a place for prayer. To set aside a place for prayer. It tells us in verse 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, an actual certain place set aside. And you might think, well, I can pray anywhere. 
Yes, absolutely. You can pray anywhere. Like you, you, don't need a, you, don't have, you don't need to be in a church to pray. You don't need to be in a temple to pray. You don't need a priest to pray. You can pray anywhere. And yet there's something special about a designated spot in your life where you know, I go here and I pray. And it could be in your house. It could be uh, on a mountain. It could be at church. But to say, for 2024, I am going to designate a place for prayer. So Jesus teaches about a place. He teaches and he actually models it. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it tells us very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Got up, left the house, went off to a place, a certain place to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, he's teaching how to pray and he says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. He tells them to go to a place. There's a a, a physical place that you go to. And Jesus is intentional with places. He even instructs them to be intentional with places. So yeah, you can pray everywhere, but I want to challenge you to find a place set aside where you know where I go there. I'm going there to commune with God. Over Christmas break... My whole family was sick, and I'm getting over it now. I think the stencils all have it. Sorry. Um, But my son, uh, Micah, didn't get sick. And because we were sick, we, like, canceled all plans over the last couple weeks. But my son, Micah, was, like, he's 13, and he told me, I want to go get a gym membership and start working out. And I was, like, awesome. Like, I've been waiting for this moment to, like, go and work out with my son. So excited. So we go over to the uh, get a gym membership. And every day we've been going and we've been working out. And he has weights in his room. Like he's, you know, just hit middle school and he's starting to, you know, realize like he wants to work out. Um, But there's something significant about knowing we're going to the gym together. Because we know when we're going there, we're going there for a purpose, to lift weights, right? We're going there um, and we're not there to hang out. We're not there to eat anything. We're not there to do anything else. We're there for one specific purpose and it's to work out. And it's something that we could do together. And like, you can work out anywhere. You can go work out at home. Um, I have weights at home. I never use them. But I know when I'm leaving and going to the gym, there's something intentional that's going to happen. And I think there's something about that even with our prayer life. Yes, we can pray anywhere. But to be that intentional about it, to say, I'm going to set aside a place that I know that when I go, I am going to pray and be intentional to connect with God. This last summer, I was on sabbatical, and um, got to go visit some, some really cr- cool places for me. I love history, I love theology, and I had the opportunity to go to England. Um, and while I was in England, I was staying at this place called the Tyndale House in Cambridge. But I had heard about uh, a retreat center just south of London, and it's called Waverly Abbey. And as I heard about this opportunity to go to Waverly Abbey, I was looking for a place to go that was uh, like a historic site of prayer. And Waverly Abbey just happened to be exactly what I was looking for. Waverly Abbey was, um, it's, it, it's this place south of, London, south of London that was developed in the, like, the mid to late 600s, 600s as a place of prayer. It became a place for God's people in the church back even all the way in the 600s where people would come and they would pray. And as I got there, I realized why. It was in this huge valley on a hill surrounded by green English forests 
Um, there were these ponds and a river with like white swans everywhere. You could walk into the forest and the, the forest was so thick you couldn't see the sky. It was just absolutely stunning and beautiful from a nature standpoint. Uh, in the early uh, 1200s, it was the site of the first Cistercian monastery in England. And so monks lived on this property and they prayed. And they, they devoted their lives to prayer. So it had already been a place of prayer for 600 years by the time they got there and they started to pray. And then, uh, as English history goes, Henry VIII uh, destroyed it, burned it down, the dissolution of all the monasteries, and uh, this beautiful site of prayer got destroyed. The ruins are still there to this day. You can go and you can see the ruins. It's super cool. And then in the 1700s, there was an abbey that was built up on this hill that overlooks the ruins of this old monastery. And the, the, this abbey became a place of prayer as well. In the 1800s, Florence Nightingale, Florence Nightingale would go to Waverly Abbey to pray. She would go there and, and, and pray over this, this place. It was just this, everyone knew this is a place of prayer. In the 1900s, the early 1900s, it was used as a hospital for the, both the world wars, it was this place of healing. And now it's used, a group called 24-7 has their headquarters there, and they have retreat, uh, retreats for prayer. And so I get there, and even as I like, go onto that property, um, there was something that just felt like sacred and set apart about it, which is odd. Like I, You don't get that very often, but it was like you go on and you realize something amazing has happened here over time. This has been a place of prayer. And sure enough, I, as I was there, and I was there for, for 24 hours, and I did a couple of prayer walks through the forest and through the ruins of the monastery, it was this place where I just felt like, man, this, is, this feels set apart. It feels like it's been saturated by prayer throughout the years. It was there where I learned that the ancient Celtic Christians used to think that not only would the Holy Spirit saturate a person, that the presence of God would fall on a person, but it would, this Holy Spirit would also saturate places. And the, the Celtic Christians called these places thin, thin spaces. They would say there are certain thin spaces where, where, where God just seems to show up. And you hear that and you think, well, that sounds like magic or something. And, and that's not what they're saying, but they're saying there's something about an intentionally set-apart spot where people have prayed and it just seems like they have met God there. We, we see that in the Old Testament with, with people going to, to the mountain, right? There, there's certain thin spaces where we have just, we, we know that if we go there, that we're going there with an intentionality to encounter God, to commune with his presence. Richard Foster wrote the Celebration of Discipline, tells us, he urges us to find a focus spot, a loft, a garden, a spare room, an attic, even a designated chair. Somewhere away from the routine of life, out of the path of distractions, and allow this spot to become a sacred tent of meeting. And so my question for you when it comes to prayer in your prayer life, do you have a thin space? Do you have a sacred tent of meeting? A sacred tent of meeting where you just know, I'm going, I'm, like I'm going to the gym, I'm going to this spot to pray. I'm going to carve out a place where I, I'm going. And, and here's what, what I found too about these places. Like even if you don't want to pray, like sometimes I don't want to work out. 
But just showing up at the gym, guess what happens? I work out. Like I might be grumpy, I might have a bad attitude, but 99% is just showing up to being there. <clears throat> In the same way, just showing up and even, even going to prayer and saying, Lord, I don't want to be here, but I am. And I'm being intentional, and I'm putting my place, myself in a place where I will encounter your presence, to become conscious of the presence of God, which is constantly present to us. We're just so distracted, we're not aware of it. So to find a place to say, this is set aside this year, I'm going to pray. What is that for you? What is your thin space? One of my favorite places, right? I feel like it's a thin space, is Camelback Mountain. I know when I go and I hike, and I'm up above the city and, and, and can get perspective, it always feels like that's a place where I can meet God. A couple of things that we're going to do this year as a church um, is, is setting aside spaces for people to pray throughout the week. Um, one is we, we have a prayer meeting that meets on Thursdays that, that is an intercessory prayer. We cover all of the requests in the church. Well, we're actually going to take our youth room and turn it into a prayer room and on Thursdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., there's going to be different stations set up that you can just come in maybe on your lunch break and pray. That will be on Thursdays, and it will be a time of intercession where we continue to pray for the requests in the church. Maybe you want to come and receive prayer. Maybe you just want to come and sit in a dark room and be silent, like get, get away from work for a little bit, and just like that's okay too. That's going to be on Thursdays. Um, the, another time to pray is Sundays. At 8.30 a.m., there's a, a, a prayer team that meets in the lounge, and you can come and pray even before service if you want, to come and to just to set aside a time and to pray. And then in April, on April 8th through the 14th that week, um, we're going to actually have a prayer meeting that goes for a, a whole week long of unbroken prayer, where we're just seeking God's presence, and we're, we're praying for this community, we're praying for our city, we're praying for our country. We're praying for those who are sick. We're praying for those who are far from God. We're praying for those who are in darkness. We're going to take a whole week, and we're asking people to sign up for an hour to just come and to pray, to set aside a place and a time, a certain place, as Jesus does, to pray. So my first challenge, set aside a place. Here's the second challenge. It comes from verse 1 as well. Have a teachable spirit when it comes to prayer. Have a teachable spirit to receive from the Holy Spirit. It says, after Jesus is done praying in a certain place, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Teach us to pray. This is coming from the disciples. They're the ones saying, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. You see, none of us are experts in the way of Jesus. Like, I don't know how prayer works, but I know that it works. And I know that prayer is something that we are told to do. And to come to prayer with a teachable spirit to say, Lord, meet me here in prayer. Shape me, mold me, teach me. And here's also what I have found, that the more mature you are in your faith, as your faith matures, the more teachable your spirit is to the Holy Spirit. That, that as you mature in your faith and you go deeper with God, your soul is more moldable for the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to work, and there's an openness to just receive what God has for you. Because here's the thing, with all that prayer is, and prayer is a lot, 
I love what Pete Scazzaro says. He, he wrote Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. He says this about prayer. Prayer is not getting God to do what you want, but God getting you to do what he wants. Because prayer is about formation. It's not just about us trying to get what we want, but our heart starts to desire what God wants for us. And what happens is we start to get what God wants for our lives. There's a molding and a shaping that takes place. And guess what? That's the best thing for you. What God wants for our lives, what God wants for your life is the best thing for you. And what prayer does, having a teachable spirit and openness to what God has for you, is, is a way for that to be shaped, your inner life, your soul to be shaped by your creator. Um, the disciples come and they, they have a simple prayer request to teach, teach us to pray. In his book, How to Pray, Pete Gregg talks about this request. This, this, he says, this is the greatest petition of all time. Lord, teach us to pray. Because Jesus gives them the greatest prayer of all time, the Lord's prayer. The, 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 as he teaches them to pray and he gives them the Lord's prayer. Here, here's what Pete Gregg says about this petition. <clears throat> teach us to pray. He says, Jesus' response to that simple, humble request was astonishingly, astonishingly generous. He, cultural paradigms. Cultural paradigms. And most remarkably of all, they would one day find the grace within themselves to pray for their torturers at the very point of death. When you look at like what the disciples' lives become, how God uses them, it starts with their prayer life. It starts with them saying, Lord, teach us to pray. These very ordinary men, these very ordinary people, change the world because through prayer, the power and the presence of God is with them. There's nine different paths that, uh, of prayer. Prayer encapsulates a lot, but, but here's nine different paths that we'll talk about in the next few weeks. Stillness, adoration, petition, intercession, perseverance, contemplation, listening, confession, and spiritual warfare. And we're going to break it down with a simple acronym of the word pray, P-R-A-Y. And as we look at this, uh, this outline for prayer, it just means pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. And there's lots of different acronyms you can follow. I find that um, this helps uh, with uh, giving us kind of a light structure. And yet in the midst of that light structure, something profound happens as we pause and we rejoice and we ask and we yield. Um, prayer is never like a set of rules. Um, it's always more, more of like a dance step. Dance steps, it's fluid, it's interactive, it's open to creative interpretation. Um, people pray differently. There's no just like right or wrong way to pray. But we want to uh, be intentional with this light structure to say, we are going to be people of prayer. We're going to pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. Um, as we go through this series, a couple good books on prayer. If you're looking for a new read for 2024, um, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People by Pete Craig. Um, it is an incredibly simple title of a book, and yet it is a very profound book. Um, we actually have those out on the patio. If you want to get them, they're 10 bucks. Um, you can get them on Kindle for cheaper. Um, another great book uh, on prayer that we'll use uh, is uh, Prayer Doesn't Make a Difference by Philip Yancey. 
Um, there's a new book out by a young pastor named Tyler Staten called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools, um, which is a really, really fun book. And then Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership by Ruth Haley Barton. Our staff read that about two years ago, and a great book on prayer. So our challenge, finding a set aside a place for prayer this year and having a teachable spirit when it comes to pray, praying so that, the, that we can receive from the Holy Spirit. One of the things that we do um, as, as prayer is this act of communion. And communion is this, this place, this certain place um, where we come and, and it represents our story. And we're going to close today with, with prayer and communion uh, to create space for you to just encounter the presence of God. On this rainy day, on this sleepy, quiet morning, that this would be a time of reflection, that this would be a time of, of pausing, of slowing down from our busy schedule, from all of our, uh, uh, our hopes for 2024, all of our um, resolutions, to say, I want to just connect with the presence of God today, my creator, that, that Christ, would, we would encounter him through these elements. So we're going to take um, some time uh, to, to pray, to take communion, and hear these words of institution. Our Lord Jesus Christ told the Apostle Paul, For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And church, before we move to communion, I want to invite you to stand to your feet and recite this Lord's Prayer together. You can just follow along with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. When you're ready, we have communion set up on both sides of the room and in the back on both sides. If you're a follower of Jesus, we invite you to the table. Let's take this time to pray, to reflect, to be still before God.